This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where your Seattle Seahawks have made the playoffs. They've made the playoffs. Courtesy of one, they beat the Rams 19-16. to But also, the Detroit Lions... Uh, basically the Seahawks' favourite team now because they've gone into Lambeau Field where they never win and they've won 20-16. Aaron Rodgers in prime time, all of that stuff, all the concerns over questionable calls. It didn't come through. They've done it. And I I don't know. I can't even talk. I'm so happy and excited. Griff, did you see this coming? Uh, What do you mean? Did I see this game coming, or did I? Are the we whole event, the mania. Being, um, man, yeah. So they they finished the season. The winning the winning record was really important to me as a fan. I wanted them to have, have, be a winning team. Um, so I felt like that was you know there are no moral victories except that there are, and I took that as a moral victory. So that was great. Um, when they won, I was kind of really at peace with what happened the lions or packers game whatever happens happens but i was really happy the lions won and it, and it continues and anything can happen that's the spirit of the playoffs right yeah that's right and that's it did right. cover up a pretty poor seahawks performance which we will talk about yeah. with Ty, Ty first. <laughs> what i mean how bad were the packers oh god yeah they were really bad aaron was really bad especially in that second half like it was all bad uh, they made so many mistakes. They were getting on their hands and knees and begging the Lions to beat them, and uh, thankfully the uh, the Lions obliged. Um, yeah. I I gotta be real. Uh, after you know realizing like the Lions are gonna win, Seahawks are making the playoffs. Kind of a little emotional. Not gonna lie. You yeah, know, I'm just gonna be real. real. I'm gonna, gonna be real about it because like you know what wow. the this one. Th- you know, the, the Seahawks have made the playoffs a lot in the P. Carroll era, but this one specifically means just a little bit more, I think, given everything that, that went into this season. Um, I'm just, I'm so happy for Pete Carroll and uh, Geno Smith and all these young guys and, you know, guys like Bruce Irvin uh, that are kind of like on a one last ride type of thing. 
uh, just for for everyone uh, that's been involved in this uh, incredibly fun season, which you know could have easily you know had no business being as fun as as it's been. And uh, I'm just really grateful that we're going to be able to uh, to extend this at least one week more. Uh, it's just it's been a lot of fun, and so uh, yeah, today was crazy. It was it was nuts, and that game that the Seahawks played was awful. It was really really ugly, and we'll get into all of that, but. At the end of the day, this is uh, this is really fun, uh, and uh, I, I couldn't be more proud to be a, a Seahawks fan tonight. Yeah, and you've got pictures on Seattle's Twitter of Cronje Diggs, Ryan Neal eating together, watching the game, and Dal Taylor watching the game. I think that's Mike Jackson and Joey Blunt and Jonathan Abram watching the game, and just thinking of that mix of players. Some of those guys, like Abram, brought in off the street with Seattle needing depth. With Ryan Neal getting hurt, obviously Jamal Adams being out for the season. You've got Mike Jackson, who no one thought would even be starting left cornerback, and he's managed to hold that spot down in the face of multiple guys competing for it. You know, he's making the playoffs. You've got Conjay Diggs, who last this time last year, as you tweeted out, Ty, this time last year, he's carted off the field with a mm-hmm. what looked like an awful injury, and he's a veteran now, and you don't know how many times you're gonna make the playoffs again. And here we go, and they've made the playoffs, and Seattle will be playing in the 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, which is 1.30 p.m. Pacific time, uh, Saturday slot at San Francisco, where they get the opportunity to play the 49ers again. Yay. Can they win three times in a row? Well, the team who's the, the, the example here is in 2007, the New York Giants got swept by the Dallas Cowboys in the regular season. They then went into the Dallas and they walked away with the W. So that's a good example. Something you say the you say the Giants? Yes. They won the Super Bowl that year too. Yes, they did. So I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just saying facts right now. So uh I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh yeah. the Seahawks are the um per ESPN stats info tweeted out by Brady Henderson. The Seahawks uh, uh, there's only ten teams in the draft era, the common draft era since 1967, who have picked in the top five after making the playoffs. And it hasn't happened since the Jets in 2003. Of course, Seattle making oh. the playoffs and yet having that top five pick fifth overall, which I guess we can talk about, but that's a bit of a vibe killer, but still top five courtesy of the Denver Broncos. So, so, so such a, such, you know, wild circumstances then like s- such a rare rare opportunity um and that will really impact like how you want to use those resources considering that this never happens this never happens so yeah and seattle is picking number 20 overall which it, it with their own pick which is still a pretty decent pick uh that yeah that probably puts them out of the the best the best two or three receivers it probably puts them out of reach of like someone like Brian Branch. Um, yeah, beyond that, I need but to... then, we... you know, if, if there's one guy, Griff, who they really wanted to trade up for in the mid-round, if their ledge is disappearing, I'm sure they could, you know, give a pick-up, uh, say like a day three or... Uh, not day three, round three, round four to move up just a little bit to, to just av- mm. avoid missing out on that one dude, so... Right, yeah. 
they're going to have options. And, you know, if, if number five, if the guy that they want doesn't fall to them or, or, you know, they feel good about a couple of guys they can trade down, collect more capital. And that just helps with more trade ups as well. So, you know, there, there are ways to, to cope with that. Um, you know, but of course, you know, friendship for now, at least ended with, uh, Jalen Carter and Jordan Addison is now my best friend. So. And just a word for Dan Campbell uh, and the Detroit Lions. According to Math Bomb, Kent Lee Platt, who does some great draft data, basically emphasizing you know how athletic guys are, measuring it with his relative athletic score. But he's also a Detroit fan, I think, or follows the team, covers the team. Mm-hmm. He says, with that win, Dan Campbell's increased the Lions' win total more than any head coach in team history from year one to year two. And... Only once in team history has the team increased their win total more than Dan Campbell did from any season to the next. And that was Monte Clark, who had Billy Sims. So, Mm. unbelievable stuff from Dan Campbell. And that team played so, so hard. And there was was a moment where it was second and 17. You're like, oh, no, this is is a problem. And then they come out of a hook and ladder play. They run the hook and ladder. They coach that game to win, and they won. And hey, what did I it. say on Wednesday? Right, I said the the this whole thing, like you know, where people are insinuating that they're just going to come out, they're not going to try all this stuff. It's silly, man. Yeah, dude, it's silly. Dan These Campbell? are professionals. It's Dan Campbell. He's so unhinged. Yeah. He is cracked, yeah. dude. The hook he... and ladder. Are you serious in that moment? Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Campbell plays for his win-loss column on his Wikipedia page. He he, he wants every win that he can get. And Dude, and he just outright said on the broadcast, like, yeah, we don't want those guys to go to, to advance. Like, yeah. what? Dude, hell yeah. And go and fit on the fourth down to just go and win the game right there. Ballsy, ballsy stuff. And they had the right play calls on the fourth downs as well. Brilliant, like, wide-open guys. Goff heaving it deep on a throwback to... <laughs> James they have Williams. an awesome run game. They really do. I mean, Ben Johnson, man, he schemes it up. <clears throat> He'd be a good head coach for Russell Wilson, in my opinion. Uh, just run, 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 and a bit of shots. But um, also, how about that from Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator? <coughs> of course, the guy, when Pete Carroll was head coach of the New York Jets, his first ever NFL draft pick was spent on Aaron Glenn. So a very cool crossover of Pete Carroll's former cornerback, 12th overall to the Jets, coming back, being the defensive coordinator for the Lions and allowing Seattle to have a shootout with them and Geno Smith to go off. And then coming in and scheming up the Packers, causing Rodgers real issues, getting real big on the old um, on the old pressure at the end of the game with the, the pick from uh, Kirby Joseph where they, they call in cover one but let everyone rush, basically. Anyone whose man stayed in, they rushed. So they ended up seven going at Rodgers. Cause the protection bust. Rogers throws the pick. Just, I mean, and and the officiating. Like there were some scary moments where, you're like, uh, did Jameson Williams not get in there because he's down and gets up without being touched? And um, Jamal Williams was definitely in when he oh, rushed yeah. the ball. Like what? I was like, okay, that's a touchdown. Oh, he yeah. charged a bit more. That's a yeah. touchdown. Oh, it's a third effort. That's definitely a touchdown. Dude, and then it's like. The- the the Amon Ra St. Brown uh, catch that ended up not getting ruled a, a catch. They said that it like hit the ground too much or whatever. Like that was yeah, he caught that, that right. That that gets that stands ninety five percent of the time. 
Yeah, like... and some of the defensive pass interference calls were dodgy. But at the end of the day, the refs did <clears> call <throat> some stuff on the Packers. I felt there could have been a rough in the pass, a penalty where uh, there, was, there was definitely a two steps and a hit on Rodgers, I thought, and a few other things. So it was all fine in the end. It was all fine. And the, the Packers lost, most importantly. And now you've got Matt LaFleur getting questions in his press conference, right? <laughs> Hey, uh, you still is Roger still the guy? Which, which the other brilliant part about uh, all of this is Seattle is like they were supported by pretty much all of the NFL other than Green Bay fans because everyone wants the Packers to lose. No one, no and one cares plus, about we don't Packers. who wants to see another Packers 49ers playoff game? Who wants to see that? See that like almost every year now. I don't want that. No one wants that. By the way, first time Seahawks are playing the 49ers in the playoffs since, since, since the tip, since the tip. Oh, wow. guys. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. All right. Before we, uh, before we keep on going here, I, uh, Derek coming through with a 1999. Wow. Uh, super chat here saying the Seattle Seahawks are in the playoffs. Thank you so much, Derek. And Thank yes, you, Derek. they are. Thank you, Derek. Really appreciate that, man. No. They are in the playoffs. You're right. Factually correct. Donations. We support them, especially. Oh, I know. There's a, a lot of emotions, a lot to unpack. It's a complete 180 because that's that Seahawks game, guys, was was so so stressful and so weird and bad from the offense in the main. And yet they're going to San Francisco and why not? Yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, like this is kind of a. I, I I think this playoff game coming up on Saturday is basically the uh, culmination of this whole season. Just like, you know, probably not going to go well, but hey, let's see what happens. <laughs> so <laughs> we had nothing to lose yeah. at this point. This is awesome. Yeah, it's how this is going to be at this point. Dude, Saturday could be really unhinged. <laughs> like, yeah. Why not? Uh, why, yeah, not? Right? why Why not? Pull out all the stops. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, who would they? We, all right. Go ahead. No, go we'd ahead. Be, we, we'd be remiss to, to mention here that uh, Dad Hat Pete is uh, 1 0 right now. So, right. I think That's he's right. worn that hat before. Is he, I've, seen is, him, is it, I've seen him move it a bit. Is it Dad Hat or on the run in the MCU film hat? Is he, is it's he a, in it's disguise, a, actually? It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a Kevin Feige hat, low-key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I hope well, we get an answer to that. Hmm. Why was he wearing a hat all of a sudden? Well, his, um, he said he said something along the lines of early in the season to do with... Um, I think it was to do with wearing a different hat or maybe some cream well he, he was worried about, about he needed he's been skin damage his wife huh? had said he'd been being stupid yeah yeah but it, but yeah, it was a, it was that. a cloudy now i know cloudy days can be a little they can be sneakily very you know i think it may have been you can a get sunburns you can mm. get sunburns on a cloudy day but or bad hair day it's happened yeah that's what i wonder mm-hmm. maybe maybe you need to i mean trim. E- either way something's working because the skin is great oh magnificent. he's aging very yeah. well yeah and this will only have replenished his skin for sure i agree so amazingly the seahawks were zero and 13 over the last two seasons when trailing after three quarters before today so it's the first mm. time in a while that they've actually finished a the game in the fourth quarter these are some great stats stat boy 
Well, you know, you know Griff came for the crown recently, and I wasn't having that. Mm. Mm. Just, just don't, don't hold your breath. There's, there's more. Um, yeah, we'll get into this game, but they, they really put together two go-ahead drives, you know, in the same game. So yeah. true. When it mattered most, they came through, which was really yeah. big. Um, yeah. So b- before we sort of get into the game, I think it was a weird kind of press conference because we were stuck in a, a situation where you know. It was in limbo. We didn't know whether the Seahawks were going to make the playoffs or not. And so there's an end of season feel to it, uh, but there's also an end of game feel um, and all that. So I think Pete said some stuff that, you know, ordinarily if they'd made the playoffs, you wouldn't have got those quotes. And he said that um, he called the Seahawks a championship team after today's game. He said uh, that they've made a culture and created a team that, you know, when he's he's been around a lot of winning teams, and he said this is exactly the mentality that we need moving forward to do some great stuff. Uh, this is a championship team, and he says they'll get opportunities to add to that and all. But he said the attitude's right, and they just need to get a bit more experience, help themselves grow, be better at executing in certain situations. But they're in a pretty good place right now, which that's huge. And I think that is, you know, there were definitely growing pains both sides of the football. This playoff experience will serve them well too. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah. not to get vibes from earlier teams of the Carroll regime. You can equate d- different moments to uh, different earlier moments, like you know the uh, 2012 team go- go- losing to Atlanta on the late field goal, uh, the uh, 2010 t- Beast Quake game. You know st- mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, like, even if they get their ass beat, like, they're, this is still valuable experience uh, for a lot of these young guys to, to be in a game like this and to be in a situation like this and learn, like, you know, how to prepare for, mo- you know, for, for games like this and all that and just, you know, the unique schedule uh, that goes into, uh, especially the, you know, the first couple of weeks of the postseason. So, uh, yeah, this is a really, I mean, this is just a very important thing for the future of this organization, I believe, and for a lot of these young guys. So, good yeah yeah um i I bet pete is still shell-shocked by the negatives of this team like i he knows going into every year they're gonna have strengths and weaknesses but i just think how it shook out is still really confusing to him i would think uh really talking about the run defense here i mean we're talking not just like oh they could be better or they were average i mean like almost season breaking poor run defense so that's got to be that's got to be baffling to him on a lot of levels um Mm-hmm. And you know something that we've unpacked, and we'll continue to unpack, and we'll try to you know we'll conjure our own our own ideas for how they can you know improve that and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Pete ultimately though is I I, I I I I totally feel what he's saying though, like how important this this was, and 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 them feeling like they have like a championship kind of foundation. Um, clearly, you know, they don't have all the pieces, but they definitely have, uh, like bedrock here. Mm-hmm. Well, Griff, to the gist of your point as well, Pete Carroll was asked in his 
post-game presser if he was happy with nine wins. And he shook his head. <laughs> he, 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 he said he's nowhere near where his expectations are and they're mm. never near that. Um, but he said he's frustrated by the season because there were quite a few games, five or six in his mind, where could have went easily one way or the other. And that right. struggling re- run defence that you speak about, Griff, is exactly to that point. You know, there's there's ways they've done this which are not in the Pete Carroll uh, line of thinking. Um, you know, the struggling run game on the offence as well for a, a large portion of the season. Weird things. but <laughs> and, he, and he finished with, that's my torment. You know, I got to live with that. You guys don't have to live with that. So he he's <laughs> taken right. it pretty strong that they only went nine and eight, which is Damn. remarkable. Torture. And he... And with that, he 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 realized he had to coach the team to their strengths. So like he he knew that like okay, this team isn't what it precisely we thought it was going to be, good and bad. And he coached accordingly and leaned into those strengths and then tried to schematically smooth out the weaknesses, which at times worked, at times didn't. There's only so much you can do. They could have done a better job as well, I think, as a coaching staff. But ultimately, you know, all th- it all adds up, positives and negatives, and it led to a you know a wild card berth. So. And how about Geno Smith? Like, okay, this game was his worst game of the season, in my opinion. He admitted as well that he was very shaky. But, you know, he finishes the year and he's basically top seven in every basic passing metric. Uh, and then in the advanced metrics, he'll be in a similar range as well. Okay, the yeah, the season tailed off a bit. But, like, the, the fact that Geno did that and, you know, after the game, he's emotional, he's crying, he's basically going to be the comeback player of the year like i don't i can't really think of anyone who else who fits the title best than smith they might go saquon hopefully no i mean surely as a quarterback yeah yeah gino is a quarterback though so like and he's the embodiment of the award like and it's it's so cool that it's not it's not even like uh a sad thing like he's coming back from injury this is like a guy who was last to start in 2014 or or whatever maybe a bit after as well am i missing Mm. something but anyway, he he comes back in and um, and he's just he's just pretty damn good tape wise as well. Like this, I think is probably the first game we go back to the tape and it'll be like mm, the process here. You could really criticize. I think the Panthers game as well maybe wasn't that good. But like Pete after the game saying uh, it mentions how Gina completed sixty nine point eight percent of his passes on the season. And so many passing touchdowns as well. He he also credited the system because I wondered if maybe if Shane Waldron would come under some pressure. I think the fact that they won this game obviously helps. But like, but, he, but Pete goes, um, our system's really good. Um, what we're asking the quarterbacks to do, and so, um, you know, he he obviously caveated that they need to get Geno signed, but it seems like they they want to get that done. That's it is a business, good. but. Surely, I'd, I mean, I'd be, it's, it's I'd be stunned. <laughs> like jaw on the floor, like stunned. It's yeah. it's it's great that he he didn't like dance around that. Like he, yeah. he the fact that he just kind of stated it, like that's kind of our our intention. Because he could have, you know, he kind of sidestepped it earlier in the year, um, yeah. like at two different junctures. But so, yeah, um, and I think that's probably just something that's like both sides kind of know is just uh, an inevitability so neither side is really you know too concerned about it so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's good so i guess now i'm unpacking this game the offense 
so obviously Seattle won 19-16. They needed overtime to do it. And the offense was really, really shaky. They only went 1-11 for 11 on third down, uh, despite managing 402 total yards. I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know what was going on really with the, you know, it seemed like they opened the game in loads of uh, quick game passing and then Gino made a poor decision on a, well, firstly the game starts and it starts with that pick, right? And Ty, your mind's immediately like, what the heck? Yeah. I mean, it was a good play by Jalen, you know, obviously. So like uh, it happens. Uh but uh yeah i mean the vibes were like really off when <laughs> when that happened so uh but you know thankfully they they were able to put together a nice defensive stand there limit you know la to just three points and i think that kind of you know reverted things back to neutral and they were able to just go from there but yeah if they if they were you know if they found themselves down seven nothing that quick that would have been uh oh <laughs> you know but uh yeah Fortunately, they were uh, they were able to keep things uh, pretty close there, and didn't they tie it on the next drive? Didn't they go down the field and kick the field goal, tie it, or was it the drive after? Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah so, hmm. and then the the second pick, which somehow wasn't a pick, was kind of wild to me. But um, anyway, that seemed like a good play from the defender. But again, Gino throwing that, it's like you know, you could ding him for that. Like it's not the right read. Um, and then, yeah, and his third interception was awful, like play design, uh, play call, and then awful from Gino to throw that. And, yep. it, you know, it seemed like, I don't know, cause he was so emotional after the game. Maybe it's just a, you know, the situation just caught up with him slightly. Like it's, a, I mean, he's played in big games in college, but this was, uh, you have to win to have a chance of making a playoff. So maybe that, you know, is a learning mm-hmm. moment for him. It, I don't know. It, it did. It did come right after the one drive he put together that was really good, and I yeah, wonder so if like he was just a, a little too conf- yeah. a, too confident. I don't know. Um, I I did wonder though, was DK supposed to settle into the zone? I'm not sure. I mean, I maybe, but I it still know. wouldn't have worked. But, like, but, of but it, yeah, I mean, he was way too calm. Conf- Even if he was supposed to settle, Gina was way too confident that he would have to throw that the way that he did. Um, I know. I really didn't like the play call. It was not a good decision from Gino. It was a bad decision. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And Gino tweets after the game. Funny thing is, I'll be way better with a full off season to focus on improvements from actual game reps. But that can wait. Go Lions. Which I mean, the Go Lions part worked. Has recovered. That game reps thing is interesting because I think there are some moments where you know he will have learned, including that that interception. Where it just plays out differently to in practice, but um, yeah, the the run game was good. Like the average five point five yards per carry, one hundred ninety seven attempts on sorry, <laughs> one hundred ninety seven attempts, one hundred ninety seven yards on thirty six rushing attempts. Uh, yeah, it, uh, we need to see the tape because there were plays early on where Gina had to lo- use his legs rather than throwing downfield, and it's like why why was the ball not out? Based on past tape, we can assume guys weren't getting open. Well, then why is that? Um, the the offensive line had their moments of struggling on the interior. We kind of know the weak point of this team. It's just the fact that Gino made like one too many bad decisions that wasn't it, that was a bit unsettling, and just the fact that that yeah. you know it was just weird. And then 
the end of regulation, I guess you can point the finger at Pete Carroll for how that was handled. That was really poor time management and just poor management in general. Like the second and goal run after Kenneth Walker's toss, he gets out of bounds. Seattle had to burn a timeout and then run ran the ball again from the shotgun, which get, puts Blythe in a one-on-one situation that few centers are going to win. Then that run gets blown up. Then they kick the field goal from fourth and like five, fourth and goal, which fine, do that. But I don't know, weird to burn the timeout because then when Gino marches you down the field, does a great job doing that. Um, and it was a really good drive. If you said they almost had two game winning drives, like, I mean. Yeah, I mean, for a game of overall bad offense, when it was time to go win the game, yeah, the, the offense between Gino and, and Ken Walker um, and really everyone, of course, they put together two game-winning drives, um, you know, to put them in a spot to win it. So that was, yeah, I mean, that, that was good to to see that they still had that even on their worst day. Mm. But because they had no timeouts, <laughs> and then that was a weird play as well, they ended up uh, getting on the right hash and the time's ticking, ticking, ticking. They run out of the time, have to spike the football throughout that game. And maybe even in the game before, Jason Myers has been, we missed his last field goal, didn't he, the game before. And in this game, he's pushing it right, right, right. And you're like, oh, hopefully they don't need him to kick a, a game winner or a game tire because this could get a bit hairy. And because mm-hmm. they're on the right hash, he pushes it right and it, it doinks right off the post. And fortunately, over time, uh, Bobby Wagner loses the toss, and uh, yeah, like you said, Griff, two game-winning drives. That was the second one, wasn't it? Where they put it all together. Um, did they? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the if you know, we want to talk about Gino. Gino had two pretty key throws: the one that DK dropped in a tight window. That was where the ball needed to go. Then he hit Tyler on the shallow. Um, he hit Colby Parkinson on the seam up the middle. I mean, that was that was Gino kind of playing. He was playing like elevated, and and knowing what like some of it was tight window stuff, some of it wasn't. But reading the play out and still making the play and not playing like um, too like shook, you could say, based off of well, what had transpired on tight window throws earlier. So, um, yeah, I mean that's got to count for something. Uh, but yeah, also, I mean, I think Ken Walker, his, he only had 3.9 yards per carry, but I thought he ran really well this game. Another game mm-hmm. of hitting holes when he should have. Uh, the blocking was hit or miss, but still better than it's been. Um, I mean, he was playing heroically. Some of that one, that one run where he hit the bubble and he made the safety coming down miss in that tight spot. I mean, that, that play's going to look insane on the end zone angle when we get a hold of the tape because on the broadcast, it looked crazy. I don't know how he was able to sidestep him and maintain his balance and accelerate again. I mean, that's why he's that's why he was the best running back in the draft last yep. year, or at least one of the top two, right? I mean, that, that's those those are insane traits, insane traits. Yeah, it's like we said, it's that top fifty element to his game that uh, you can sort of argue whether you should spend a top fifty pick on running back, but that's the reason why the you know and the NFL in general values those guys in that area because they do have special traits, which the uh, you know running back value picks the day three guys just do not have um mm. yeah and the other time management thing i guess just circling back to that is they had to take a timeout after quandre Diggs's interception which like surely the offensive staff should just be like okay we got the ball back let's go why is there you know offense and defense are two different elements you know there's a different coaching staff there's different players it's easier said than done but you've got to be a bit more prepared and in the moment which again 
young team, um, learning moment maybe for the coaching staff as well. Waldron still learning maybe as an offensive coordinator. I don't know, but it's just poor management. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that gets cleaned up for the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, I want to catch up on a couple of super chats here. One from Dan for a dollar and ninety nine cents says, "Hell of a season, guys! Thanks for all the content. Thank you." And Thank you, uh, and Thank you. Tomas uh, donated five dollars. Says, uh, "I think we should still sign one of the top QBs. I think they mean draft, uh, because hopefully we won't be t- uh, picking in the top ten anytime soon." What do you think? Great question. Um... I don't know. I, I need to delve into the quarterbacks, but realistically, you know, my my two cents on that doesn't matter. And the big thing with that as well is, you know, it'd be nice if you could talk to guys. But that's a really boring and overly sensible take. I think, like, you know, there's it was always said how Schneider loved Patrick Mahomes, which is easy for that to come out because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is pretty good and it only came out a bit after how much he liked him. Even though, you know, we heard that he was at his pro day. Same thing happened with Josh Allen, if you remember. I mean, those guys kind of have this special upper, upper, upper traits that, like Geno Smith, for instance, will never have that level of traits. So if there is a guy like that who Schneider's besotted with, and like you there, say... And there uh, are probably two of those guys in this draft that kind of fit that bill. Those guys Richard- being Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Mm. who are not the top prospects either. Right. So then it's like, do you have to spend a top 10 pick on that? Um, could you spend number 20 on that? Uh, does right. that does that mesh well with, you know, Gino? Because I think we all here think Gino Smith should be re-signed. Yeah. And the way it will work out, I think with him being 32 years old, uh, you know, one year of production, I think that'll be more team-friendly than some may have originally thought, especially with the second half dip of production. The- the the other element here is let's say let's say Stroud and Young aren't options for them, whether via availability or say they just don't think they're worth them being picked at five, which honestly there might be an argument for. Um, definitely, I mean, I think they're good quarterback prospects. Don't get me wrong, but how do they view Richardson and Levis compared to Drew Locke? With that theory behind those types of picks, where they're kind of projects, but you really like their tools. Do they like Locke's tools more and do they think he's further along and, internally than we might and think? And on that point, Griff, Pete, when he was talking about the quarterbacks and the quarterback-friendly system, again talked up Drew Locke and said, you know, I've seen him play a number of times and, you know, he's really good, something along those lines. And he's said that all through the season, even when not asked about that. And, okay, it's supporting your guy, but clearly they, love, they really like Locke's tools. It's just about mm-hmm. harnessing that. You know, the best stuff we saw in the playoffs of Locke was incredibly toolsy and had a lot of people thinking Locke should be the guy over Geno. The bad stuff was, you know, like the sack fumble against Pittsburgh where he forgets, you know, he doesn't reset the protection correctly or doesn't throw hot, but he should have reset the protection. I mean, we've covered that ad nauseum. But mm-hmm. the point being, it's not the tools which are the problem with him. The tools are the attraction. The problem is just being ready to play quarterback in the NFL. And that's something that will be developed over time and in pizza mind, I'm sure, with the culture that Seattle have. Locke's 26 now. Imagine if he, you know, six years' time after Gino retires, Locke takes over as Seahawks quarterback after the Pete Carroll quarterback factory. That feels unlikely with how the NFL works. But, um, 
you know, I, I think in Pete's mind, there's probably some sort of ambition there. Lots of quarterbacks play until they're, you know, well, more and more playing into their late 30s. But maybe Gino hangs it up after three consecutive Super Bowls when he's 35. And then Drew Locke takes over. I don't know, but I'm sure there's a scenario in Pete's head where he can make both things work. And Locke does have like serious tools. I don't think we have a doubt about that. So, yeah, Griff, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. And, and to Tamas's question, I'm not so sure about um, if they take a quarterback, then that guy is like, wow. Like that, I mean, yeah, goes without saying, but it, it's especially given Seattle's circumstances right now. Like, mm. and then that's a lot of pressure. And, and the Seahawks talk about the pressure on these quarterbacks. I'd, I think it would be more likely, and I guess this is obvious, but I think it's much more likely that they take a, you know, day two, three guy. Sure. Um, and, and they don't have to force Stroud or Young if they're not super high on him because they have Geno. Yeah. And then, and then the other element, I, I, I said this last year about this year's class. I was like, well, last year wasn't a great year for needing quarterbacks because also Stroud and Young are coming up. So it turns out they weren't quite what I, speaking personally, they weren't quite what I thought they were going to be. They're still high end quarterbacks, but they're not like, they're not anywhere near like Trevor Lawrence's level as a prospect, for example. Um, but then that said, next year's quarterback class is genuinely exciting. There are like three or four guys that you might put on Trevor Lawrence's level as, as a, as a prospect, um, depending on how their, your junior year, senior year goes. So I don't know. Um, it might make sense to hold out one more year. It might make sense to, you know, wait day two. I feel like that's the sweet spot for taking a quarterback. This draft is round two, uh, for Seattle's purposes. But then again, if mm -hmm. they really like one of these guys, all right, I'll swallow that pill. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, like if they want to collect the asset, Right. Uh, I just, my preference is don't do it at five because you, it's just, unless yeah. you were just so, and like, obviously, like, we have to add the caveat here that, like, you know, if they really like the guy, then they should just do it. Right. If that's what they believe in. But my preference is don't do it at five. But anything after five, in my mind, I, I'm, I'm cool with, um, with them doing it with them going quarterback. So. And we should say the reason that the Seahawks are picking at number five overall is that unfortunately the the thing that we worried about happened. It looked like it was going to be like almost worst case scenario for a lot of this, a lot of today. And then it wasn't, yeah. so that's good. But unfortunately, Denver beat the Chargers despite Brandon Staley playing his starters, getting Mike Williams uh, carted off the field. I mean, that's not Staley's fault, but it's the risk that you run when you do that approach. Mm. But the Chargers lost 31 to 21, 31 to 28. That puts the Broncos at 5 and 12. That moved their pick up to, which is Seattle's pick up to fifth overall because the Colts managed to lose Lovey Smith on the way out saying, Thanks for firing me. I'm going to, I'm going to rob you of the number one overall draft pick. The Texans beat the Colts. Uh, 30 they went, they went for two to, to take the lead there late. They could have tied it. I know. It was, that was magical. So that's very funny, but from a Seattle perspective, a bit of a bummer. The Bears are now uh, the number one overall pick, which, again, that's not ideal because, in theory, they have their quarterback. Maybe they trade down, but, you know, if they want to just say effort, you know, Will Anderson's so good or we just need an edge. We just need a good defensive player. Then maybe Will Anderson goes to Chicago at one overall. That will all work itself out, but... That sucks. And then I guess if 
FIFA overall happens, Griff, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this because you, you said, correct me if I'm misquoting you, but you said something along the lines of this edge class isn't very good after Will Anderson. And so if that's the case, then if you're at five and Anderson's gone, is there an argument that you trade down uh, in a mini trade down if you can and go best player available? Unless, of course, as Tamas was pointing out, maybe there's a quarterback they love. But the, my thinking with that is, generally speaking that's kind of five and onwards range is where maybe the what the one overall receiver starts to go maybe the tackles go but Seattle's stuck uh set at tackle their receiver pairing is very very good obviously they need to upgrade in that area but it's very high to take a dude obviously there's guys right. you like but surely the the better value is as often the case in the draft um is to trade a, li- a little mini trade down or am i off base no i agree with you i feel like right after those two and then a couple other positions that they just don't need right now is that's a really bad spot to be in the draft right now between like five and 11 or 12. It just doesn't feel like that's where you want to be. Ideally Um, picking the teens feels a lot better. If, if, if Anderson and Carter are gone um, at five and they can turn five overall into another 2024 draft pick first round pick um, and still pick in the teens and then pick, at 20 again, I would feel pretty good about that. Um, you're probably at that point, you're saying goodbye to drafting a legit, I, I think, legit impact defensive lineman. Um, th- this round, I'm really not a fan of who comes after Cardison, Carter, or Anderson. I just turned them into a poor man. So, um, it, after that, man, I mean, I feel like all almost all the DL, except for Tyree Wilson, I'm forgetting about him. All the other names, I feel like they should go in the 20s or late teens. And even then, I'm, they're not exactly square fits for Seattle's scheme. So, so it's Cartison-Sin. No, yeah, yeah. Cartison-Sin, that's right. No, Griff. We want Jordan Addison, right? We want <gasps> Jordan Addison. Cartison-Sin-Sin. Sin-Sin-Sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car- Carter and Son of, son of, son Addison. of Carter. Yeah. There you go, listener. A very handy way of remembering the... Cartanderson. Four names. Car- yeah, there you go. Cartadison. Sure. There we go. Okay, so I feel bad because we've nagged about the Seahawks offense a bit, but actually the defense played well enough. Like, Los Angeles for 14 on third down, below the uh, 50% mark. They only put up three second-half points. Seattle only allowed one touchdown. They really showed up in the red zone, which was nice. Yep. Felt like their um, their four man uh, front run fits were for the main okay. Yeah, maybe. I know we missed the bare front, Griff. Well, I mean, they they defended the run well against the Rams in their four man front last time. Uh, again, at least their like main running back scheme this, this week. I don't. I don't. I really want to get into the tape. Watch what happened. The pass defense performed the way you'd want it to against Baker Mayfield and those receivers. Like they. They, they didn't underperform. Um, they lost a couple of one-on-one situations where they're kind of out-schemed by alignment, you know, like those in-breakers from reduced splits. Those just kind of happen. Um, although we say that and it's frustrating, like, well, why can't Seattle do the same thing against other defenses that they're outmatched by on offense? Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot there. It's not always that simple, but still uh, the defense played well. Um, Quandre Diggs made an absolutely insane play that probably got helped by the wind that was that made the ball die a little bit, but still insane recovery, insane range. Um, 
I wonder what happened, how that route got so wide open. Um, I, I So to that point, to me, it looks, it's very clever. They called him his best beater. Um, so I think, I think, well, it, it doesn't really matter for the purposes of it, but it was split field, I think. And mm. they, they, they like motioned around with it and then they, they ran a wheel route which occupied Tariq Woolen because it was a, a wheel route which ran vertical. So I think Woolen was in a cloud, but he could have been in the deep quarter. Hey, uh, R- Ricardo, Rico, you're in timeout, buddy. You can't just come <laughs> in here with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think th- they occupied Woolen, and so Biggs had like a deep, deep – it was like a deep out for Woolen, I think, or deep comeback, and then a really deep corner route. So it's just like a fake, like, I'm going to beat like- your coverage concept. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like, and like, what if the protection held up forever? Yeah, um, and it did. But then Diggs was like, um, Diggs was asked after the game what he's thinking. He said, "I can't really give you the language because it would be pretty bad because this guy's very open." But that was incredible to undercut that and the catch. It was like an NCAA yeah. fourteen glitch. Like it was just right. nuts. It was just nuts. Um, and so great how Mark Sanchez on the broadcast was like, "Oh," and I'm like. Oh my God! What is going on here? Yeah. And then the camera off the screen, Diggs comes. And you're like, Whoa, comes Diggs oh, like a hero. Yeah. Um, I mean, we should say Quandary. Like he has been making as many plays in the flat. He's dropped some interceptions, which to me is not a criticism. That's if you're dropping interceptions, it means you're in position to make an interception. So that's anyway. Um, he, his his down in down out duty as a cover player. The, with the main stuff that he does is like been rock solid this year and he deserves recognition for that he had that play against the raiders where he's coming down on the flat awkward play could have played it better sure but that's like two percent of what he does 90 percent of what he does in coverage he's been everything they've paid him for um so i don't know i i think that's worth uh mentioning that was a great play at the end there mm-hmm. um also we should talk edge rush and yes. individuals Let's do it. So Bruce Irvin, after the game, uh, it was a great press conference because it's so cool that he's 35 years old. He's with the team who took him in the first round back in 2012. He's come back. He, you know, He's mentioned now Pete Carroll has uh, blue eyes and when they look at you, you can't say no to him. And <laughs> all this stuff, is just, it's just amazing. <laughs> it, it, he obviously loves Seattle. He's such a great player. He's veteran present, saying how much he didn't expect to play so much, but he has been. But then he, he shouts out the two young edge rushes. So Daryl Taylor, firstly, he has 9.5 sacks on the 2022 season. That's what he finishes with, which is super, super impressive, given that he didn't start the year as he'd wanted to, as Taylor himself admitted. But Irving goes, um, I've seen Daryl Taylor, who everyone was expecting at the beginning of training camp, um, you know, the type of player that everyone was expecting. Um, but he's special. Um and Griff's having displaying... a good time on Twitter right now. Is it? <laughs> I'm trying to big up Daryl Taylor. Every, so like every 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 time every time Maddie starts talking, Griff starts like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just laughing. A lot happening, folks. Disrespectful. The, the um, timeline is. Uh, I mean, I can't blame Griff though. The timeline we'll, is crazy right now. We will get to the U.S. Open. I want to ask about the U.S. Open, but can we just do the? You asked about the edge rush. Let me do the edge rush, man. <laughs> Edge rush. Who, who cares yeah, about so, edge rush? Oh right, okay. Tw- uh, you never. Twitter is all that matters. You never have cared about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Bruce was saying uh, that Taylor's special. But the the big thing was the end of his comment. He said that 
when Taylor ain't talking loud and, and he's actually listening, he can actually play some ball, which, I mean, there was a reason why Dower Taylor wasn't playing. And part of it was he couldn't be trusted to set the edge. But maybe that hints at some of the other issues, which is which, becoming more mature. It's still bizarre to me because it's a regression from last year because he was setting the edge last year. Yeah, and I think like, I think Taylor like what, is quite a confident guy and like outspoken, vocal. So maybe it was just about you know being a bit more humble, learning some things. Right, for sure, for sure. And then um, you want to talk about Mafe Griff? Yeah, I mean, like we we've seen he he about a month and a half ago he started really kind of you know getting his act together against the run, kind of like learning how to play the run really. For I think that was I really wasn't worried about that long term. I mean, he has all the traits and he's a high effort player. Um, so it was probably just kind of technique and, and understanding blocking schemes and stuff. And that seemed to happen, like making plays on the front side of the play, setting the edge, making plays on the back side of the play, chasing things down. He was even swimming inside on guys a little bit, um, trying to make plays in the backfield, probably taking notes from Yuchen and the Wosu um, and Bruce Irvin. Um, but then by way of pass rush, I mean, he wasn't showing. I don't think he had a single win all year long that wasn't unblocked. He had couple of games where like his speed to power was showing up, but you still wouldn't call it like a, a win or a pressure, but it's just like, okay, his traits are showing at least. Um, but so then this game, he finally had like a legit, a legit rush and it was a sack too. I mean, it was pure speed and I don't think he's going to be a primary speed rusher. I think he needs to be like a speed to power guy just because I don't think he has the bend to capitalize on the speed that he does have, but it's great that he, had enough get off there that he could beat the tackle well enough that his lack of bend was made up for the fact that they just beat him so bad and he could recover. Um, and he, yeah, he needs he, to have that on display so that he can, he can, he, he can establish the threat of his speed on tackles so that when he does power guys, it, it knocks him off balance more often. Um, and Griff, that's exactly what Irvin talked about. He mentioned that player as a moment. He said he got off the ball, ran around the tackle, got the sack. Because that is a big, like, that has to right. be his, like, plan A move, right? Right. Um, I mean, yeah. And he should, yeah, in I'm... theory, be able to make it work because he has the get-off. We never quite saw the bend, perhaps, but... Yeah, I mean, he, he I mean, that just, that idea has to be there in a tackle's mind. This guy could beat me around the hoop if I'm not careful. Um, and then ultimately, hopefully in time, it's the power of the counters come through. Um because, I mean, really, I mean, a guy to watch is like Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is like all get off, but he converts it to power. Um, he's a little bigger than Mafia. Yeah, though. that's the thing. Um, but he did slim down, though. He's supposedly 265. Okay. So, and that was he, what Mafia was at the combine, I think. Right. Right. In mm. that range. He was heavy. But, I mean, he still, he still doesn't look quite as thick no, as Gary, no. but, but still. Um, that's kind of because Gary kind of has bend issues, too. Because his body, so he, he has to rush with like tilt toward the tackle. Um, but both those guys still need, they still need to establish the threat of speed. So his one sack, his one good play coming from just pure get off and, you know, and uh, arc speed, like oh, that's, that's a really good sign. Um, yeah. So, so Bruce said that Boye's made tremendous strides and um, he texted him to say that, uh, from when uh, Bruce arrived until this point, the difference is day and night, or night and day. So, very cool again. And I think, you know, that's, that is starting to show up, and it's nice. We have more football, so it's not the end. It's only 
the beginning of the end. It's not Gene Over. Yeah. It's not Gene also, Over. Also, really quick, Daryl Taylor, um, he had the one cleanup sack, which is great because he's an athlete when the play breaks down. But then on that third and eight, where G- or Baker escapes and ends up throwing it, and Mike Jackson tackles him for about six yards, setting up the fourth and two. Um, I mean, uh, Taylor got that party started. He had a really good speed rush, just pure bend, get off winning at eight, nine yards, bending it at nine, 10 yards on a deep drop on third and eight. I mean, that's where third and eight is when you're going to get deeper drops and you can run the full the full length of the pocket and when you're as bendy as taylor that's 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 your world to live in and he he killed the play right there so that was um that was definitely a sack worthy rush so yep that was good um, to see as well seems like the seahawks avoided some like major injuries so like dj dallas leaves the game rolled his ankle um again per pete um that woolen thing was scary but seems like oh. it was okay it looked like he rolled his ankle my heart dropped into my ass when I saw him on the ground. <laughs> your ass? Oh, yeah. Word. My my arse. Oh dear. Oh. No, that was that was horrifying. But he came back yeah. and he got kind of beat a bit by Van Jefferson. Don't know if he's lacking some quickness. There was also some uh, tough concepts for him to cover. But this, uh, thank goodness he's actually you know, seemingly okay. Uh, Mike Jackson had some nice pass breakups. Probably should have been picks, but still out there competing. I don't know. This this team has its limitations that we all know, but they they are a playoff team. And Ty, what jersey are you wearing? You already know, baby. Wow, there we go. MV, and MV Gino. He's not actually the MVP, but he's the MVP of my heart. So despite his shaky game today, albeit as Griff said, with two game winning drives, basically, he mm. finished the season setting single season Seahawks franchise records in attempts, five hundred seventy two, which isn't that big a deal. But more importantly, completions, 399 yards, passing yards with 4,282 and completion percentage at 69. Nice. What? 0.76%. Unfortunately, he didn't make the 70% mark, which a bad game does. But, you know, it's all good. Um, What's up, Dakota? Thank you so much for the donation. Most charitable man in Washington. Did Dakota make a? uh, Did Did you guys run into Dakota on Thursday? Or is Dakota Uh, back from? Said hello. Yeah. Yeah, we we had a little cameo. There we go. There we go. What's up, Dakota? Thank you so much. So it's kind of wild that uh, I'm going around in circles here, but Taylor finished tied with the Nwosu in in sacks for the season. Yeah, and his pressure rate was like. His pressure rate was lower than it was last year. Mm. So it's just the fact that he can kind of have a down year and still convert a lot of his pressures to sacks is pretty crazy and indicative of his talent. So hopefully, I mean, we should be looking at the floor here. Um, And really, I mean, this season might have been as simple as like Taylor's production was just a, a 100% a function of down and distance, really. Like he might have been the same player as he was last year as a pass rusher anyway. It's just the the pass rush opportunities were so um so less frequent that you wouldn't superficially you wouldn't think that he was the same guy, but perhaps he was. Um I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird as well. Like I don't know with how the the scheme and the like the direction of the defense was so shaky as we've covered and like so uncertain and sort of scrambling. 
Um, you know, the, the four man front obviously helps Taylor, uh, but it is really mainly situational stuff. And in the passing downs, you would be in the four man front uh, anyway. I was going back actually, Diggs in the off season, Griff. He said that this defense reminded him of Detroit uh, when he was there with Terrell Austin as the defense coordinator. Uh-huh. And I wonder how much that was, you know, I, I took that as like a coverage thing where they ran loads of three match, which Seattle does, and they ran uh, loads of quarter, quarter, right. half, um, and then a tiny bit of half, quarter, quarter. But they also ran mm. so many four-man fronts. And at the time, I didn't think about that because we just presumed that they'd right. go back to their bear, which had worked, and all those routes. Right. But now, in I hindsight... Mean, they have completely abandoned Nickel Bear. Like they they have in complete favor of of nickel over, which is, I mean, I, at first, I mean that this happened where they abandoned it in that first Rams game, and I thought that was just because they wanted to make sure their edges weren't in any like run pass conflict with the Jet that they weren't flat defenders, but then it stayed, and yeah, they played some base bear slash under mostly under actually, but still some base bear. But then nickel was pure four two five, um, and then that never. I mean, maybe that was because they wanted to use Abram more, but and they wanted him more as just kind of like a classic strong safety down safety, and they didn't want to give him any like nickel responsibilities in zone and two high coverages. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe he didn't understand the run fits. He didn't have time to get acclimated. I don't know because. He's even though he's a backup safety, do you make all these accommodations for a backup safety? That's in a really important position because you have so many checks you have to handle and everything. So do you want to make it as simple for him as possible? I don't know. I, I hope I hope something comes out. It's happened the off season. It's happened before though, like you know, like the, the playing of like uh nickel, like uh two four, four two looks to um you know, in short yardage to like 12 personnel, that sort of stuff. That's happened not just today, but like in other games. They just clearly... Right, which is know. insanity. It is, yeah. Like um, even third and two, 11 personnel, and you're acting like it's two and eight or something. I don't know. That's it's really weird. And, you know, they still defend the pass well on those downs in it, you know, but like run defense matters when it's bad enough. Yeah, and you I know? guess the other frustrating thing was the boot uh, play action rules that like the coverage seemed to regress to, uh, throughout this game, which we've seen inconsistencies throughout the year with that. When in like 2021 and 2020, they seem to have figured that stuff all out. Um, you know, and Bear does help you with that. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's a subject for another day. We'll, we'll have our film podcast out as well on uh, Thursday, the usual time. But... There's 123 people in here, so oh my let's, word. let's play a fun little game. Let's see how many likes the video has. Ooh, here. Uh, Jackson wants to know, Ty, uh, are you going to wear the golf jersey during Locked On Mariners? All right, so I did say that if the Lions won, I would buy a Jared Goff jersey. You did. I did. Honolulu I did. Blue. Honolulu you bought Blue, it? of course. Yeah, I bought it. I bought it. So I did it. I'm 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 unhinged. Uh, so I I've wow. made the deal that the week that I get it, I'm wearing it on every single show that I do that week. Whether it's Control the Zone Live, whether it's Locked On Mariners, whether it's this show, I'm wearing it on every single show that week that I get it. So you're going to be seeing a lot of it. That's very fetching. It'll probably bring out the color of your eyes. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Lovely. Delightful. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, we have we have 126 people watching now, and we only have 40 likes. 130 now. And we only have 40 likes. So 90 of you are evil. Evil y'all, people. Y'all right. tripping. You need to like the video. You guys must be 49er fans. And you need to subscribe to the channel. Bang, bang, Niner gang. It's very simple. It's one click of your mouse. But also, this is awesome. Thank you, everyone, for joining me here. Thank you, guys. Thank uh, you, guys. So let's 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 deal with questions. Uh, can Penny come back for this game from uh, Patrick Chase? Can Penny come back for this game? I remember him saying he would be ready if we make the playoffs. Would be a huge boost. That sounded like optimistic Penny. I'm not so sure that that's actually going to be a thing. Although it that was cool. from Penny. Yeah. It was slightly <laughs> copy, slightly, you know, but you know, you should positively manifest. Don't don't get me wrong, but I, I unlikely, very unlikely. Um, and then here we go. Colin Wimbush. Can we get breakdowns of Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, or Anthony Richardson? Yes, but, Colin, the Seahawks won. Uh, the Packers lost. So draft stuff can time. wait. In, In time, time. good mm-hmm. things come to those who wait, including a Seahawks playoff trip to the San Francisco 49ers, which is going to be amazing. It's going to be unhinged. Right. Chaos ball. DJ Chaos Dallas ball. Wildcat. There we go. Hey, that was working today. They were actually yeah. uh, doing some stuff with that. So they, oh, they were, they were. So yeah. Hey, Griff. Oh, Bree, Bree. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no blocker or them. <laughs> no. You're in timeout, Bree. No, it's just uh, a five. It's a five-minute timeout. Yeah, you just got to learn. You know, there's a line. So you can't cross the line. Yeah. Now, I don't make now you you got to think about what you've done. And then come back to us in five minutes after you've you've thought about what you did. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, Griff, the U.S. Open. Mm. What, what's going questions. on? What's going on with you? Uh, well, as we all know, we, we all have know. been entrenched with an intense rivalry with the U.S. Open Twitter account manager. Mm-hmm. They stated that, uh, well, someone stated that tennis isn't a sport, which I don't abide. But like in all things, real world conflict, he cast one stone, people want to retaliate, and sometimes they there's splash damage. And unfortunately, Geno Smith was a recipient of that splash damage. They stated that we would be watching Drew Locke for 17 games this year. Not only was that not correct, it was very not correct. The implication was that they would be bad also. So not only did Drew Locke not start, it was Geno Smith actually who started. And they went nine and they went to the playoffs. And Geno Smith, for the most part, looked pretty dang good doing it all. So... I think it's safe to say we won, um, and I hope that the U.S. Open Twitter account manager is doing all right, all things considered. Um, but uh, yeah, they won the battle; we won the war. That's right. That's and right. now a new a new war is beginning. A war on tennis. A war on the postseason. Okay, uh, a war on tennis. We're invading <laughs> Wimbledon. <laughs> Boots on the grass. Boots on the grass. <laughs> Um, boots on the chalk, the clay. What, what are the other the surfaces? Uh, hard, like just hard. Like I don't know. What like, they, do they call it hard? Hard is not is a like surface. Clay? That's a, that's just a. What is it? No, it's not clay. It's, it's hard. Clay. There's clay and there's hard. I'm pretty sure it's just called hard. 
they're, they're grass, so... clay, hard, and artificial grass. What? Yeah, yeah. I know my tennis. Is hard? Is it like what is concrete? hard? Yeah. yeah at the end of the rock? day, what's the oldest tennis championship? Pretty sure it's Wimbledon. Where is Wimbledon? It's in Britain. Where am I from? Britain. Where Where's are you Britain? from? America. You don't know anything about tennis. It's a hard. We have sport. we have the U.S. Open. We just established that we have yeah. the U.S. Open. US, and what's that US played on, Ty? What's the surface? Bad uh, football takes. Hard. Hard. Yep. <laughs> is it played hard. on hard? Very, very hard. What is hard made out of? What it's is hard, hard made hard. out of? No, well, you know, soft. That is not a it's hard. Is not a material. It's not a material. Yeah, hard, is, <laughs> not a... hard is like a property. It's not a substance itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a property of substance. Different uh, substances. I, aren't they asphalt? Pretty sure they're asphalt. Maddie language. Jeez. Yeah, Maddie. Get your mind out the gutter. You, you're telling us that. Uh, Look in the yeah. mirror, pal. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I don't know. What else? What there's else we there's talk just about? no. There's just no containing you. I'm trying to change the topic. Please. You, you, you can't be tamed. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to allow you to U-turn out of this, Maddie. Here it is. By the way, the, the Seahawks have successfully U-turned their way into the uh, into the postseason after not making it last year. Congrats! Mm. Um, oh, can we can we talk about our predictions before the season of what record we thought the Seahawks had? Because not only did we think that Geno Smith would be proving people wrong, mm-hmm. but um, we we predicted I, the records. Griff, what did you say? I think I officially said eight and nine. I wasn't a oh, believer. I should have. So I don't remember what I said. Mm. I, I like I remember being on our Patreon show with Colby and saying like, "Yeah, I think this team is could make the playoffs." I think I said like nine. On nine a Mariners wins. podcast. On a Mar- well, our Patreon show is for everything. It's oh, everything. Yeah. Ty, do you want to plug that real quick? Yeah, patreon.com forward slash control the zone. Check it out. It's do baseball. it. It's it's well, it's it's, it's, it's everything. So it's it's bit... everything. Okay. It's everything. It's a little okay. bit of everything. Okay, there you go. Yeah. I I I said ten and seven at the start of the season, so I was okay. fu- so I you was so idiot. you were wrong. So you were I wrong. Was wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Way yeah, off the mark. That's my bad. It's because yeah. I went to Germany and caused the Seahawks to lose that game. Ah, yeah, that's right. You were yeah. you were you were the yeah. curse. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, you won't be in Santa Clara, so things are on the uh, up and up for the uh, for the old Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Jackson! Oh, wow! Jackson! Jackson's coming through. He said, uh, uh, "Ty said on CTZ in May we would go ten oh. and seven. Idiot! So wrong. Just like me. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I was. I was. We're just clueless. Yeah, I just have no idea what I'm talking about. Neither Carol, do you, Manny. You'd really like to hear what we can do to SF. Yes, uh, we will preview the San Francisco game on Wednesday and Thursday. Don't worry about that. But uh, the Seahawks can do a lot to San Francisco. It's mm. time to believe. That's right. I mean, they were what, what, they nearly closed the gap in the last one, barring some turnovers going the other yeah. way. So, and as you said at the start of the show, very hard to beat a team three times. Very hard to lose to a team three times in a season. Hey, and you know, Gino playing in his first playoff game, but also Brock Purdy playing in his first playoff game. Yeah. And Gino revenge game now because he's lost two in a row to San Francisco. That's and we right. know Gino is three and three in revenge games of 2022. That's right. That's right. right. So there you go. Okay. 
Everyone, please like the video. Are we got fellas? Are we done? I think yeah. so. I think so. Ask a question if you'd like it answered. That that's a cool thing we can do. That's that's right. That's right. That's the power of a uh, live recording, baby. Uh, Anthony says I'd build a Geno statue if he knocked out a San Francisco the year they finally sweep us. Let's do it. Let's build the yeah. statue. I'll build the statue myself. Yeah, I'll build a statue in Britain. Right, there you go. Uh, do we like mushrooms? Uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, a good uh, a girol. Do you got? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a girol? It's very mm. nice, like a wild okay. mushroom, you know, on toast. Bit garlic, okay. bit parsley. Bit how, how 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 big is said mushroom? Uh, pretty small. It looks a bit like a trumpet. In fact, like a trumpet. Yeah, yeah Google no, G I R O double L E. Oh yeah, mm. I'm gonna look it up. Girol. Oh, okay, yeah, I see these guys. How does this look like a trumpet to you? I mean, I guess it kind of looks like a trumpet at the end of a trumpet. I uh, in my front yard, I had fly agaric mushrooms growing, like the mm. red, the bright bulbous red ones. Oh, like, with, like uh, white spots, like that, like uh, Mario, Mario guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled them out root and stem, but uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. There was like fifteen of them. Did they Huge. kill you? If you were to eat them, like raw they would be they'd be pretty toxic but you can cook them and boil them down and they might have psychedelic properties i wouldn't oh. know you wouldn't know i would you would, i would not you know. you would not know that of course yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay wolfpack 10 100 i explicitly said tennis is indeed a sport he's probably mm-hmm. they're probably not watching live right now because they're probably further back in the recording yeah um, but keep commenting like, that's fine yeah, yeah 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 keep keep commenting for the uh you know for the uh algorithm i don't think chat messages actually count for the algorithm but you know fuck it let's just say that they do just keep commenting yeah and like the video okay yeah that's a wrap thank you so much everyone for joining us i hope you know, you're as happy as we all are. Uh, enjoy tonight responsibly. Uh, enjoy tomorrow responsibly. Enjoy the week responsibly. And we'll be back this uh, Wednesday um, or Thursday, if you're listening, with Ty and I's show where we break down Seahawks news, fully react to injury reports, talk about Denver maybe a tiny bit, but I don't know. I might be dead. But really with a bit of a preview of the 49ers game. Then Thursday or Friday, if you're listening, Griff and I, and maybe Ty, with the film breakdown from this past game. Big things to learn, I think, about the offence and what happened against the Rams downfield on the All-22. Big things to learn about what what went right for the defence. Big things to preview against the 49ers. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. Please do like this video, subscribe to the channel, Follow Griff at C Mike Spinmu. Follow me at Matty F Brown. Follow Ty at Dane Gunzelers. And if you also could please give us a five star review on your favorite podcast medium, that would help. And obviously, download the show. It gets cut up into little segments, so it's very easy to listen to and it helps us. And, you know, there's some stuff that isn't on YouTube, which is like, you know, cut out. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Keep the faith. Remember, 
Mm-hmm. Keep the faith. It's not Gene over, baby. Let's fly. It's Gino beginning. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's right. Gene on. It's Gino Gene on. That's not Gene. That's, sure. Yeah. As opposed to like Gene off. I don't know. It's G mm-hmm. go.